This past month, my children have become obsessed with the movie Polar Express. Obsessed. Raise your hand if you've ever seen the movie Polar Express. All right. If you haven't, you should actually see it. I mean, it's a, it's a good movie. I don't like it as much now because my kids have ruined it. Thank you. Thank you so much, JB. <clears throat> and my kids can rattle off like a hundred lines from that movie. They can't even put together whole sentences, but they memorize the movie. It's written on their little brains. That's because they've been abiding in Polar Express. In our passage this morning, Jesus says the same thing happens when we abide in Him. We bear fruit. We speak differently. We behave differently. We respond differently. And if we don't bear fruit, then we're going to be thrown into the fire, is what Jesus says. In our passage this morning, Jesus gets really, really blunt. And he has a lot of important things to say. And I think because of what he says, it's incumbent upon us this morning to understand what it means to abide in Jesus. And so, if you'd be so kind as to turn to John chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. I think we're going to have it up on the screen. John chapter 15, verses 1 through 11. I'm going to kick that. I'm going to put it over here. I know myself too well. There we go. <clears throat> and once you've found it, if you wouldn't mind standing for the reading of God's Word. And the Holy Spirit through John says... I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him... He it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, we want that joy. And your command to us, Jesus' command to his disciples, doesn't start with accomplishing anything, really. It starts with a simple verb, abide. Father, teach us this morning what it means to dwell in Christ Jesus. Teach us this morning what it means when Paul says, in Christ Show us how to abide in Christ. And all these things we ask in your precious son's name. Amen. My summary statement this morning is pretty simple. 
This is what I want to, this is what I believe the text says. This is the one point I want to drive into your brains this morning. We abide in Christ and we bear fruit in Christ by abiding in the love of the gospel. We abide in Christ and we bear fruit in Christ by abiding in the love of the gospel. The book of John is defined by I am statements. There's a lot of them in John. Jesus is being very clear throughout the entire book of John about who he is and why he's come. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. Before Abraham was, I am. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then here in chapter 15, he says, I'm the true vine. Whoever said that the Bible was complicated? (laughs) Jesus is putting it in very, very clear terms. This is who I am. And if you can get that, if you can get these seven statements, you've got the gospel. He's the bread of life because his body is broken for us. He's the true manna who comes down from heaven and fills us and satisfies us. He's the light of the world because he shines his grace into the darkness of sin. Before Abraham was, he is. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is the God of the Old Testament. He has no beginning. He's the good shepherd because he's come to gather and elect people and lead them out into the promised land. I am the resurrection and the life. Jesus will be raised from the dead so that we can be raised from the dead. He's the way, the truth, and the life. That means Jesus has the final say on whoever comes to the Father because Jesus alone speaks truth. He is the truth, and he alone is not subject to death. I mean, that's the whole gospel right there. You have those, if you get those statements right there, you know who Jesus is, and you've got the gospel down. And then here in chapter 15, he says, I am the true vine. Equally important. What in the world does Jesus mean when he says, I'm the vine? I don't know about y'all, but I'm from Kentucky. Vines aren't good. But he says he is the vine. I I think it's good for us before we read this to understand that vines in ancient Near Eastern culture, in fact, vines today, even in the Middle East and many places here in America, vine is a grapevine. It's not a strangling vine. It's the life. Fruit comes from it. We drink things from the vine. So let's read verses 1 and 2. I'm the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. So there's four parties involved. There's the vine, there's the vine dresser, there are the branches that do bear fruit, and there's the branches that don't bear fruit. You've got a bunch of branches claiming to be on the vine, and only some actually are, and the ones that are bear fruit. What saves us is the vine. The fruit don't save. The fruit prove that we are on the vine. Let's read verses 3 through 6. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And then read verse six, it's kind of startling. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch that withers and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. Can you imagine how many excuses people will have when the vine dresser gathers the withered branches? But I did my best. 
but I was a good mom, but I was a good dad, but I worked a lot. I didn't cheat on my spouse. I was a pretty good person. I went to church, and the vine dresser will say, you abided in those things and not in my son, and you are a withered branch, and to me now I have no use for you other than to throw you away. I'm just going to read verse 6 again. It's very powerful. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch that withers, and the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. God throws unbelievers into the fire like kindling. God deals with unrepentant sinners like firewood. He doesn't negotiate. He simply, what? Checks for fruit. That means there are people walking around in our community right now who have no ultimate direction in their life other than to go straight into the fire and burn. I don't know about y'all, that unsettles me. That rattles me. Thinking that there are break rooms and there's conference rooms and there are entire schools full of people who think they're on the vine, but they're withering away even as they live. Can we be embarrassed to share Jesus Christ to a people who are like withering branches headed for a fire? And because I know a little bit about human nature, I would imagine the fruitless branches would say something like this. What about your grace, God? What about your unconditional love? I I thought you didn't take pleasure in the wicked. Before throwing them to the fire, God would remind them that all they had to do was abide. All they had to do was bask in the gospel. All they had to do was dwell in God's grace. In the grand scheme of things, God is asking us to do nothing more than dwell in the love of Jesus. That Greek word, meno, it just means dwell. It's not a very active verb. Verse 9, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. It's really that simple. The message of the gospel boils down to one thing. Be loved. Have you ever met people that just cannot receive love? You met those people? I don't think there's a more pitiful condition than someone who cannot receive what is best for them. Strictly because of their own hardness of heart. Have you all seen this new thing on your iPhone that tells you how much screen time you've had the past week? Yeah. One word, guilt. Every time you see it, you, don't lie to me. If you guys have seen it, you're like, oh, I was on this thing a lot. Every time I see it, I'm like, man. Well, you know why I kind of have a little bit of guilt? is because my phone is telling me that I've been abiding on my phone. I've been dwelling on my phone. Sinners have no problem abiding in things. We do it every day. The question is, what are you abiding in? Now, 2018 was a success in one way. It hurt, but I'm glad I can look back now and go, that was probably a good mood, a good move. We got rid of ESPN in my house, which was hard. I'm still walking with a little little limp. And I got rid of my ESPN app. And it stung a little bit because I missed some really big games. Some big games yesterday. I know where all the games are happening. That's the problem. I haven't pulled away just enough. Now I'm still aware of what I'm missing. 
I don't know who won the Peach Bowl yesterday. Don't tell me. I think it would be Florida, though. I don't get to see my Wildcats as much. But I didn't abide in sports as much this year. So guess what I found to do instead of sports? I spent more time with my wife, I spent more time with my kids, and I spent more time in 2018 in prayer. Because I learned to abide in something else. Abiding in God's love isn't hard. It's only hard when you want to abide in something else. Just like it's not hard to abide in your spouse's love. The only time it's hard is when you love someone else. And the miracle of the gospel is that our God doesn't ask you to do anything that he wasn't willing to do himself. Look, verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So Jesus lived in your place. He died in your place. And he says, you can abide in me and you can receive all my rewards, my righteousness, my life. And all you have to do is obey. And look, I've already obeyed. So you do the same. Now, here's the biggest question, I think. We could talk this whole sermon and go, you know, you got to abide. That's good. Yeah, abide in Christ. I'm going to do that. Where are we going to eat? What does it mean to abide in Jesus? I think that's the most relevant question we could ask this morning. And we could could sit here and talk about abiding, and I could say it a thousand times, but how does that look like practically in your life? I think that's a very relevant question. I think a lot of people today think of abiding in Christ is simply believing in what Christ did. It's more than that. Faith is more than just knowing that Jesus is the vine. Faith is continually clinging to the vine. And I think that he gives us two hints in this text about what it means to abide in him. Verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you. So you have to abide in the word. You can't abide in Christ unless you're abiding in the word. When's the last time you cracked open the Bible? It is impossible to abide in Christ without abiding in the word of Christ. Now look at verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. So God's desire for your life can really be boiled in some ways, not to be too simplistic, but in two ways. Keep growing in the knowledge of his word. And keep coming back to the truth of the gospel in our minds and our hearts. I remember back when I had my ESPN app, I would do this all the time. I'd be in a hotel, you know, like a, a, I don't know why I would be in a hotel, I don't know why I said that. Um, I meant to say elevator is what I meant. Elevators are synonymous with hotels apparently. And I would just do this and I'd be just sitting there and go, Okay, good. And I go back. See, I just abided. I learned how to dwell on my app. And I know you all do the same thing because you want to. I know a lot of people who continually check their bank account like every 10 minutes. I just hit a nerve there, I think. I know a lot of people who can't go 15 minutes without abiding on their social media. That's called abiding. You just dwell in it. You know, see, we call it flipping, screening. It's just called abiding in it. And see, but the the real thing is, that's what God wants you to do with his word. That's what God wants you to do with the gospel. The same thing you do with Facebook, just flipping, coming back to it, come back to the gospel every single day. 
The next question is this. What does it mean to bear fruit? I think that's the next most practical question. You know, Avi, I'm, I'm, we're, we're going to make a list of things we're going to get done in 2019. I think one of them should be, I want to bear more fruit as a Christian. God saved you from something in Christ. He also saved you to something. He even says in verse, uh, verse 3 or 4, he says, You're already clean by my word. Now abide in me that you might bear fruit. So what does it mean to bear fruit? Well, look at verse 8. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. So we prove that we're disciples of Jesus by our fruit. God is glorified in our discipleship. God is glorified when a small group meets. But the fruit is the proof of our discipleship. That means God is just as glorified when you sit down and marinate on his word as he is when you show up to small group. That means God is just as glorified when you explain the gospel to your children as when you do and you meet with an accountability partner. It's all discipleship. It's the fruit of the vine. One thing we know from this passage is that the fruit of the gospel doesn't always look like the fruit of the world. That took me a long time to, rem- to kind of understand that. Jesus says that every branch that bears fruit, he, what? Prunes. Oh, that one's really good. I, man, there's a lot of fruit there. It's growing. Snip. That's what God does. He prunes good fruit. Now, why would he do that? Well, he answers it right there. That it might bear what? More fruit. Unbelievers will be thrown away and burned. And believers will be pruned, but kept. In other words, it may very well be a blessing from God that your sin is exposed. Now, it'll hurt. And if you're married, that should happen regularly anyway. It may be God's grace that you don't abide in something you want to because you need to be abiding in something else. I remember I finished my MDiv, and after I finished my MDiv, I graduated, and I wanted to start my THM. Got a thousand different degrees in seminary. I wanted to, you know, the the next one. And Kelly said, nope. Kelly, you remember that? Yeah, I know you remember that one. She said, honey, you ain't going back to school again. We need to be married first. And so I took six months off because I needed to be pruned. I didn't need another degree. I needed to learn how to have a relationship and a better one with Jesus. And he was pruning me. I wanted to abide in my books. I still do. I'm a nerd. But I needed to abide in him first. God prunes fruitful branches, and if he's not pruning you, you are a withered branch. If you can't point to an instance in your life when God did something to teach you painfully to grow in love and holiness, it may be that you're just being primed for the fire. This is a question I get a lot. Um, Man, what? I'm following God, but everything's just, everything's so hard. I, f- I feel like I'm following Jesus in my life. I mean, I, I read the Bible more, and I feel like I'm, I'm, I understand the gospel more, and I feel like I'm, I'm following him more. I feel like I, 
I'm being a disciple, but things got harder. Why is that? Pastor, I thought things were supposed to be a little bit better. I thought I was supposed to have more joy. Things just got harder. Welcome to pruning. I thought everything was good. I mean, I, we have a Bible study. I mean, I'm meeting one-on-one with this guy. We, we read the Bible. But man, marriage is hard. I, I thought we started following, you know, in, in the footsteps of Jesus. And we kind of went on on our path. We got married. And I'm going to tell you, I try to read my kid the Bible, but I just don't have time. Thank God for the pruning in my life. Robert Washington can tell you that. That's like, when he writes his book, that's what it'll be called. I got pruned. Pruning can be the mercy of God. We just don't like it when it happens. And I'm going to tell you all this. I can point to two different kinds of people who have pruned me. There are the people who loved me and they were pruning, it, pruning me for my good. That one's the easier one. And if you find those people, take it. I also found those who were trying to hurt me, but God was pruning me. Sometimes God uses other people's sin to expose your sin. And it takes wisdom to see that it's actually God pruning you. Every time I was pruned, I came back to the vine. Every time I was pruned, I came back to the word. Every time I was pruned, I had to come back and find my comfort in the fact that Jesus saved me with his own blood. I think one of the primary differences between the good branches and the bad branches is this. Unbelievers tend to count their fruits while believers tend to treasure the vine. Unbelievers tend to abide in the fruit. Believers tend to abide in the vine. So for instance, if I were short with somebody like I was I'm not going to say when, but it was, it was soon. It was, it, was, it was not long ago. And I walked away, and I was really short with somebody, and I thought, man, I just sinned against them. But I didn't just sin against them. I sinned against God when I did that. And there's two responses that I could really have after I sin against someone. If I abided in my fruit, I would go and instantly try to make up for what I did by going to be nice to them. But if I abide in the vine, I would first stop, confess my sin to him, repent of it, and then go ask for their forgiveness, which is what I did. Jesus says we find joy from the vine and not just by the works themselves. To me, there is nothing more depressing and sad than a withered branch with a lot of shriveled up fruit, but it is not attached to the vine. I want to conclude this morning by a thought. A couple weeks ago, it was decided that Haynes Creek will essentially have the same budget in 2019 as we will in 2018. Meaning we won't have any more money than we do right now. But we have higher goals for 2019. We have higher standards. We have things we want to do beyond what we've done in 2018. And some might say, well, how are you going to reach higher goals with a, without a bigger budget? How are you going to put on more things? And how, how are you going to reach more people unless you get more funds? I'd go back and maybe ask for a little bit more. But friends, we don't need a bigger budget at Haynes Creek to bear more fruit. We need the vine. Husbands, you don't need a bigger salary to love your wives better. 
Wives, you don't need more time in your day to serve your husbands better. You don't need a better schedule so you can honor thy father and mother better. You don't need earthly things to help us love people better. You need the vine. The vine is all we need. We are not sufficient for these things. I'm not sufficient to love my wife well. I'm not sufficient to have it within me to go look beyond myself to serve my community, but the vine is sufficient. Philippians 1.6 says, I'm sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Christ. You know what that means to me? Salvation is just the beginning. God doesn't just want to save you. He wants to turn you into a fruit-bearing branch. 2019 should not begin with a list of things to accomplish. It should begin with one thing. I want to abide. Far too many people have become content having a fruitless Christian walk. And far too many will discover that they were simply withered branches, primed for the fire. Will we abide in 2019? Because anything else is adding to what Jesus has clearly said, which is, no, just remain, just bask, just dwell, just abide in my love. It starts out that simple. Will we abide this morning? Let's pray. Father, Jesus has accomplished so much, imputed his righteousness, given us life, clothed us in royal robes, adopted us into his family. And Father, we do nothing but believe. We do nothing but obey. We do nothing but abide in the love of the gospel. And what, a, what good news that is. Father, I pray for Haynes Creek in 2019. I pray for every marriage. I pray for every relationship. I pray for every small group and D group. I pray for every family. That we may be people who love dwelling in the risen Christ. And all these things we ask in your precious son's name. Amen.